Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today, we're talking about the Anshu Rebellion of 755 AD. Alice, there um, there have been two uh, pieces of news, uh, two, two things reported in the news lately. That uh, caught my eye. Well, a lot of things caught my eye, but uh, two things in particular. One, I don't know if you saw, the Taliban. Yes, are I in saw the China. picture. You saw the picture of them like visiting the Chinese foreign minister in China, and I, I think actually they had the they had the what the Taliban leader sitting in the same chair, sitting in the same chair that just the day before the deputy American uh, Secretary of State was sitting in, which was quite really? interesting. Yeah, 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 uh, uh, and um, the other thing, uh, apocalypse. There's been <laughs> yeah, Taliban and apocalypse. Yeah, I don't know if you've been. Uh, as, I don't know if you saw this as well in the in the news. There's uh, uh, more and more talk about uh, a possible global collapse by the mid 21st century. Apparently, there was a there was an MIT study. From mm. 1972, that predicted <laughs> a uh, global economic collapse uh, by around 2040, and someone just did an update of the study, and uh, turns out we are right on schedule. Oh, so so not good. Not good. Yeah. Mm. Now yeah, these I two things. Yeah, I saw yeah? Mm? an article you, from you, you the Guardian that. was talking about the fact that New Zealand was probably the best place to my be. New, Ze New Zealand, my, my other country uh, is apparently the safest place to be in the event of a global collapse so uh, yeah, maybe I should think about buying a farm back home mm. yeah, but alright this is a Chinese history podcast so, what happened was these two pieces of news reminded me of the Anshu Rebellion in China, which began in 755 AD. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, 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 I've thought about this thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you say that ironically. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the, uh, yes, sir. For the, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, I, I, must, I shall proceed now to explain why these two things reminded me of the Anshu Rebellion. <laughs> um, do you, did, you, did you study this particular event in your Chinese history classes? Did you, did you touch on it at all? I don't remember. My Chinese history classes were 10 years ago. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough, all right, all right. So, basically, so, um, the, so the background to all this is the, well, the golden age of the Tang Dynasty. The Tang Dynasty was founded in 618 AD, and uh, the throughout the seventh century, uh, the the rest of the seventh century, China essentially experienced its golden age, and uh, had competent government. It had uh, its borders expanded tremendously, and um, it's. Uh, as, as I often have said to, to, to people, its capital city, Chang'an, which today is the city of Xi'an, mm. uh, uh, still a major city, but at the time the capital, it would have felt like uh, modern New York or London or Paris in its racial diversity 
linguistic diversity. There were mm. foreigners from all kinds of, from everywhere, oh. in in China at the time.、Oh. Uh, from whether they're、uh, merchants from along、mm. the Silk Road, all the way from the Middle East or even further, maybe even Europe. We don't know.、Um, and from the East, people from Korea,、uh, people from from from, from All over, from all all kinds of races, languages, and whether living in China as visitors, as expats, as businessmen, or in the service of the empire,、yeah. um, it was a very interesting age. It was the golden age, and I'm sure we'll we'll we'll, we'll do another、uh, an episode at some point about that golden age. The point today, though, is that by the mid eighth century. The the Tang Dynasty, the Tang Empire, had grown a bit too self-satisfied. It had had prosperity and power, and the height of culture,、uh, Chinese literature, Chinese poetry reached its height during the first half of the eighth century.、Um, so that's why a lot of poems come from of, the right, Tang Dynasty. Tang, Tang poetry、mm-hmm. is the height of the, the highest achievement of Chinese literature.、Um, So by the mid eighth century, China had grown. Tang China had grown complacent. It had sort of, in a sense, lost its lost its edge, lost、mm. its je ne sais quoi. <laughs> and、um, and so and like I said, it had all these all these foreigners, quote unquote foreigners, in its service.、Uh, one of its most famous generals, who fought the Arabs in seven fifty one, a few years earlier. Uh, for the Arabs in today's Kyrgyzstan, in the Battle of Talas,、uh, he was actually a Korean. The, the Chinese general、mm. in charge was not Chinese; he was Korean, or from、okay. from what is now Korea. And another very important figure, who was very powerful in the in the court of Emperor Xuanzong of the Tang at this time, was a man named An Lushan. In Chinese,、mm. we call him An Lushan. Now, An Lushan was almost certainly Uh, well, Anusan was a Sogdian. 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 Yeah, Sogdia, Sogdiana, Sogdiana is an ancient place name. It is today's Afghanistan,、okay. or a part of、uh, so、northern Afghanistan. Was called Sogdiana, and there were a lot of Sogdians in、mm. China at the time in the service of the empire or、uh, as business people, and、um, Lushan, Roshan. Roshan, Roshan, the the the、uh, cell phone company in today's Afghanistan is called Roshan. It means light. And An was a common、uh, surname adopted by people of Persian extraction. And as you know, the Afghans and the Persians are、uh, the, the the Afghan the, the dominant language of Afghanistan, the Dari. Is that is really a dialect of Persian, and the Sogdians were a, a type of Persian or re- related to the Persians. So, so um, and um, Persia for a time was called Anshi because、uh, it, it, which is uh, derived from、uh, Arsacid, the Arsacid dynasty in Persia. So An was a common surname for Sogdians. So Andushan was An Roshan, light、mm. and light. And he was, and he grew very powerful in the court of Emperor Xuanzong.、Uh, Xuanzong was began as a pretty good emperor, but by the mid eighth century, he was growing old, and he had grown lazy. 
he had grown tired of conducting the business of the state. He spent all his time with uh, his his favorite consort,、mm. the famous Yang Guifei, the, the、uh, Lady Yang. Lady Yang, Yang Guifei, was known as one of the most beautiful. She's one of the most famous beauties in Chinese history, and、um, and、uh, Shenzong just was super in love with her, and decided to basically spend all his time with her、mm. instead of running the country. Instead of running the country. <laughs> So more and more power fell into the hands of this Sogdian man, An Lushan, and、uh, and at the same time, the the Tang、uh, government structure, the military structure, increasingly became such that the local governors, the the, the people who were supposed to be on the periphery, became more and more powerful. They had their military strength grew more and more, while the center of the empire、mm. grew weaker and weaker.、Mm. So,、uh, at some point, this、uh, this man Alushan, he found a partner, another Sogdian,、mm. another Afghan, <laughs> and they basically partnered up, and they were they each controlled a section of the country, and they decided to launch a rebellion to overthrow well, that's funny, the Tang Empire. We would never imagine like some Afghans. Running a part of China at some point. The Tang Empire was multi-ethnic. It was not. We picture because of today's China in、mm. you know modern China. You look around, you feel like everybody's Chinese. You know, ninety、yeah. percent of people are Han. Yeah, and you, very very small percentages are right. All these you know Uyghurs or Tibetans or Mongols or、mm. you, you forget about. You, you sort of set them aside and you feel like the Chinese are the Chinese. Yeah,、right. you feel like it's a very homogeneous society.、Like. Right, right, right. But it wasn't always like that.、Mm. And the Tang Empire, and this is why the Golden Age was the Golden Age. It was because it was this multi-ethnic society that embraced the outside world. I told you the the Chinese national. I think in a, in an earlier episode I talked about the Chinese national poet Li Bai.、Mm. He was from this time period,、mm. and he actually grew up in today's Kyrgyzstan. Oh, really? He grew up. That's right. He didn't return to China until he was about fifteen years old,、mm. um, and this is why he spoke multiple languages.、Um, and uh, and so yeah, so the the Tang Empire was the Golden Age was the Golden Age in large part because it was a synthesis of it was a synthesis between Han Chinese culture and the many cultural influences from abroad,、uh, different languages, different cultures, different religions. From across the Silk Road and the steps, and it was the embrace of、uh, these differences that sparked the, the 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 culture and the power of the early Tang Dynasty. So yeah, there are plenty of people with all kinds of facial features and and skin colors、uh, living in China and working for the empire. And but in this case, um, uh, the uh, By by Shenzong's time, I guess it looks like a lot of the these ethnic、uh, minorities no longer felt particularly invested in the Tang Empire, and、uh, these two Afghan guys, these two, two Sogdians, An Lushan and his partner named Shi Siming. So that's so the other guy's surname in Chinese was Shi.、Mm. So we called it An Shi Rebellion. An Lushan Shi Siming An Shi Rebellion. So they decided to just overthrow the the Chinese Empire. 
and become emperors themselves, right? So they launched this massive rebellion, and um, and uh, because the, the the military structure of the Tang had changed, so that the center was now weaker, they 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 attack the capital area. They you know they they attack Chang'an, the capital city, and the people uh, had had not experienced war for over a hundred years because it's been the golden age. 130 since since Taizong's era, Tang mm. Taizong, the great the great Taizong throughout Taizong of the Tang, who was responsible for putting together the Golden Age back in the uh, early seventh century. You know, since his time, the Chinese had lived in peace, and this is the first time a lot of them had experienced war. So nobody knew what to do, mm. and uh, so the rebels just cut the swath through the country, and they are they are bearing down on the capital. And Shenzong, the emperor, uh, he basically runs. He, he turns refugee and he runs, still with Lady Yang by his side, his favorite, his girlfriend, his favorite, his favorite wife, favorite consort. They're running out. We're followed by the the palace guards or the 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 Jingjun, the, the 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 army specifically designated to protect the the capital and uh, the palace. On their way out, they're like they're they're traveling through the countryside. And the soldiers refuse to move. They stop. They blame the woman. Why? Like so, like so often in history, right? The woman gets woman gets blamed. So like Marie Antoinette. Oh, they get oh she. They she felt Yang Guifei, Lady Yang, was like Marie Antoinette. Mm, she was she was blamed because they thought it was because of her that. They felt the emperor didn't do his job because he was because too busy. He, too he was too busy like, spending time with her. And it's it was all, our fault. It's all her fault course. for being too too hot. Yeah, it's her fault for being too hot. <laughs> Basically, so it's like, no, you got to get rid of her. You know, we're not we're not escorting her any further. And the emperor was like, oh, no. see, he's like, he's he's very upset about this, but he but he has no choice but to kill her. What? Yeah, he killed her. Well, he ordered her killed in front of the, the in front of the troops, so that they would to save his face to save his own life, to, so that they would agree to resume marching and escorting him. Mm. I know, very it's nice. It's not a love story. It's not really. It's not really. No, Chen Zhong really did love her, but it's like when 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 <laughs> when it came to choosing between his own life and his girlfriend's life, he's like, you know. <laughs> You know, I think uh, I think such uh, a betrayal. I know, oh I know. So, but so he runs out, but and soon enough, his own son, the crown prince, decides that his dad had lost it, and so he just comes out and declares that his father had retired. Oh. His father had abdicated in his favor, and he was now emperor. And Shenzong actually does not contest this. He's just like, yeah, sure. You know what? You want to deal with this situation? <laughs> you go ahead. I, I'm just, I'll just be over here. I'll just be over here. You know, if you need me, I'm over here. But son, you got this, right? So his son declares himself the emperor. Now the Suzong emperor. And basically, the the for the next eight years, the China is roiled in this huge civil war. Between this army led by two Afghans, Sogdians, who are Zoroastrians, by the way, they're followers of the ancient Persian religion, 
the, the worshippers of fire, you know. Mm. Again, religious diversity in China as well. You know, people didn't have the same religion. Zoroastrian Afghans um, were leading this. <clears throat> so for eight years, um, well, first Anushan dies. Anushan gets assassinated by his own people. Oh. Anushan was a uh, he had he had bad eyesight apparently, mm. and uh, because he couldn't find things, because he couldn't see things in the you know in his in his bedroom. In the back. Well, he was often rude and cruel to his underlings, mm. and then until like somebody really, you know, were very upset with him because he beat them up all the time because he couldn't see stuff, and Anushan's own son uh, instigated the murder, so he. His own son told these people who were upset with him anyway to, uh, to 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 kill him in his sleep. So they stabbed him in the in the stomach, and he like bled out all over the bed and died. Yeah, very nice story as well. <laughs> so he died, and then his best friend, the guy who was his partner in crime, Shi Siming, then kills his son, Anushan's son, the guy who had killed his father just now, so that he could consolidate power. Over the whole rebel army, the whole Afghan-led rebel army. They were not not all Afghans, by the way. They were all kinds of minority such peoples. Such a mess. Such a mess. Yeah, <laughs> there were all these minority peoples who were who had come into China, or you know lived in territories that had been conquered by China, by Tang China, and they were clearly all kind of no longer no longer happy with uh, living under. Tang Dynasty rule, and so they went, that's why they all joined to this this rebellion. But anyway, so Shisiming was what was left, and um, uh, anyway, they kept on fighting. And then Shisiming's uh, his son was 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 a picture in the picture as well. So the four of them, two fathers and two sons, were the people who led this whole thing. They fought, 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 killed millions of people, died. Uh, the great poet Du Fu, who was. Uh, a uh, close friend of Li Bai and one, one of the other great poets of China. Li Bai was called Shi Xian, the immortal of poetry. Du Fu was called Shi Sheng, the saint of poetry. And he lived through this period and he wrote some really breathtaking uh, poems describing the, the, the impact. Uh, I, I suppose I won't recite <laughs> any. <laughs> of his poems, but he describes the sort of, you know, after the, the war had gone through the area, it's like, oh, the capital, it's spring in the capital, uh, and look, there's there's weeds growing everywhere, because it's been depopulated, there's no one, there's no one living here anymore, so it's it's just fallen into, you know, the grass that just grows, the, the trees just grow, and then there's no, no one here to cut the grass, and so it, it just gets taken over by nature. And describes this this kind of this kind of world, this kind of apocalyptic world. Mm. And um, the tongue ultimately found its white knight, its knight in shining armor. The Tang Dynasty found among its generals one man, Bo Zi, who could who could put the world together, who could, as the Romans used to say, be the um, restitutor or beast, the restorer of the world. And Guo Zi uh, uh, was ultimately able to lead the Tang so the government much, army to how victory. How much time passed since the beginning of the rebellion? So it took about eight years for the whole thing to, to burn out, for the whole rebellion to, to end, for Guo Zi to finally beat the last, the last remnants of the of of the um, rebel army, and uh, 
and、uh, Guo Ziyi would go on to a very、uh, pleasant, or a, he was the most powerful man in 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 the、uh, Tang court after that, and he would serve in his lifetime, in his very long life, he would serve four emperors in total. In total, and he would never. He, his son would marry the princess, and uh, and uh, and,、um, and and so he he would have one of the most enviable careers in Chinese history. But the empire he served was not so lucky. The Anshu Rebellion is believed.、Uh, so, if you take the census records, the the Chinese government census records between right before the rebellion. And right after rebellion, right after the rebellion, in 763, when it was finally over. So the following year, 764, there was a census. If you compare those numbers, the Chinese population, if the census numbers are to be believed, the Chinese population, because of the Anshu Rebellion, declined by two thirds. Oh my God! Two thirds of the people died. This is huge. It was apocalyptic. Yeah. It was right. It was a An actual collapse of the the social order, social,、mm. political, economic order. One, two thirds of. I mean, the Black Death in Europe only, quote unquote, only killed one third of the people. <laughs> the Anshu Rebellion killed two thirds of the people of China. Now, to be fair, there are some. There's some debate over over these numbers.、Uh, some some. Some scholars think that maybe the the numbers just reflect more of a failure of the bureaucracy. Maybe the Tang Dynasty bureaucracy was so broken in the wake of the rebellion that they were no longer able to count people. You know、mm. what I mean? Maybe they were not no longer able to go around and count people properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's also、sense. possible.、Mm. But that's true. But then that that also speaks to the degree of the apocalypse,、mm. right? You're no longer、mm. capable of conducting a census. It's like how functional how functional is this government at this point?、Mm. You know. But but some some people definitely agree with the number.、Um, before right before the rebellion, Chinese population was calculated. The, the census showed around fifty three million people. In the Tang Empire, and at the end, it was 17 million. It was less than 17 million.、Mm. And if this death toll again, if it's to be believed, it's not just it's two thirds of Chinese population, one sixth of the global population. The Harvard scholar Steven Pinker talks about the Anshu Rebellion in、uh, one of his books. The I think it's called the Better Angels of Our Nature. And in his in his Estimation: The Anshu Rebellion is the greatest atrocity in human history. In terms of its, yeah, in its proportion. Okay. It was like.、Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I say.、Dogs. So I say apocalyptic. I think I think that's fair.、Mm. Um, but like I said, you know,、uh, well, as like I was, I was reflecting on this, and then, you know, I was thinking about how well. So today we have, we're looking at a possible. We keep saying, you know, we keep hearing this word "collapse" or possible collapse by mid by the mid twenty first century. What does that mean exactly? You know,、oh. um, and in a way, I suppose you could say the example of the of the Anshu Rebellion is it's actually a little bit comforting. Why? Because we survived that one. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? The Tang, even the Tang Dynasty. 
I got the feeling that my ancestors <laughs> were not in this part. You were not world. involved, I think. I think your ancestors were not did not participate yeah, in this. Maybe yours. Mine, well, mine almost definitely were, <laughs> and some in some in some way to some extent, right? And lived through it somehow, right? Well, yours lived through the Black Death, so you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, even the Tang Dynasty didn't actually end with Ooh. the Anshu. Yeah, yeah, Although Tang, the Tang Empire after after the Anshu Rebellion was not was not was it was a shadow of its former self. Um, even actually, the central government didn't have proper control anymore. So it was a failed rebellion, but still like the. It was a failed rebellion that killed two thirds of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So. That yeah. maybe not, perhaps not directly, but through famine, disease, and mm. ancillary crime, and all the, the complete social mm. breakdown, lack of healthcare. I don't know, lack of food. Yeah, but that's famine. Um, yeah, resulted in the two thirds reduction of the population of China, but uh, but the Tang Empire limped on, much reduced, much reduced, but it limped on uh, until 907 AD. When it would really properly collapse into what's called the Wudaishikuo, the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms, which is like a fifty odd years of just chaos, <laughs> until the Song Dynasty in 960 A.D. would finally sort of put things back together again. Oh. So you could say that really um, the, the Tang Empire, the Tang Dynasty, survived. But it was not what it used to be, and in uh, and it, it actually lost control, frankly, of most of the periphery. It was after after the Anxi Rebellion, the provincial governors essentially did what they liked, and they only sort of paid the emperor at the center, kind of nominal mm. uh, obedience. Mm. So, so you could argue that really. After uh, the Anxi Rebellion, China was already divided, mm. and it really wouldn't be reunited until 200 years later with the Song Dynasty in mm. 960. Okay, you could argue, so it's like 200 years of Dark Ages, you could argue that, that, that wouldn't be completely wrong. Nonetheless, we survived it. <laughs> so, I don't know what's to come in the mid-21st century. Is it going to be something like that? I don't know, uh, but if it is, well, that'll suck. Um, but the good news is, we've survived worse before, <laughs> or, or probably have. So I guess I'll leave you with that. This has been MODG. Thank you for listening. <laughs>